You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to weareredwood.org. We hope that the message that you're about to hear will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. Please turn to Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew 6. Please be in prayer for, uh, for Larry. Uh, this is uh, Frank's, uh, Frank's son, and uh, he was uh, taken to the hospital this week, and they're going to do some tests for uh, cancer or a tumor uh, on the brain, so please, uh, please pray for him. I know that it would mean a great deal uh, to uh, Frank and to Diane to be in prayer for him. Matthew chapter number 6. We started several weeks ago a series that I entitled Warring with Worry. Uh, you and I, we do tend to, uh, to worry a lot and have anxiety uh, in, our, in our hearts and in our lives. And so it is my prayer as I learn, because I have the same struggle, uh, that uh, hopefully there can be a, um, you know, a breakthrough in your life and in my life. Who knows who the famous character of Arthur Conan Doyle's is. Who knows of a famous character? Sherlock Holmes. How many of you know who Sherlock Holmes is? How many of you have met Sherlock Holmes? Okay, none of us. All right. Fictitious character. And so Sherlock Holmes has a cohort in crime. And what's his name? Dr. Watson. Lillian's got this like dominated, okay? All right. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. What's Watson's first name? John. It's John. John Watson. Well, in a famous kind of interaction between these two fictitious, awesome uh, characters uh, is this exchange between Holmes and Watson. And I want you to see which character you more resemble. If you are more of a you know, Sherlock Holmes, or you are a Watson, okay? Here it goes. Holmes is speaking to Watson, and he says, You see, but you do not observe. The distinction is clear. For example, you have frequently seen the steps which lead up from the hall to this room. Watson responds, and he says, Frequently. And then Holmes asks, How often? Watson's response is, Well, some hundreds of times. And then Holmes asks him, then how many are there? How many, how many steps are there? And Watson asks, how many? I don't know. And here's what Holmes says, quite so. You have not observed, and yet you have seen. That is just my point. Now I know that there are 17 steps because I have both seen and observed. Now you and I probably do not know how many steps we ascend on a given day. I was in my office this morning knowing that I was going to teach and knowing that I was going to kind of tell the story, and I was trying to rack my brain on how many steps I go up to the pulpit. And I was like, so I'm thinking, all right, the times that I vacuumed, how many times am I going, you know, and I actually don't know. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, man. All right, so there's five there. I don't know. So who do you resemble? Are you more the Sherlock Holmes, and you would know that? Or the Watson. But Holmes is making a point similar to one that Jesus makes in the Sermon on the Mount. 
Jesus directly addresses the topic of worry. And within this topic, he's telling us um, what to do about it and why. And so like Holmes, Jesus, again, I'm not trying to equate the two, but just for the sake of illustration, Jesus says that we need to take a good look around us and we need to observe. And as we observe, we need to begin to think about the meaning behind what you and I are seeing. And so this is what Jesus, he's telling us to ponder. And as we ponder these things, it will actually help us to be freed from anxiety, to be freed from worry. Look at verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6. We looked at this even in our home group on Wednesday, but we're going to kind of look at it a little bit different of an angle here. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Again, an old way of saying don't be anxious over what is going to happen. Don't worry. But no, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much more, or much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Verse 28, And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And so the often repeated phrase that you see in that text would be, take no thought. Or again, it would be in the idea of don't be anxious over, don't, don't worry is the, is the theme of this text. And so what the Lord is doing, he's really saying, hey, I, I, I want you to have kind of like a, a cease and desist order against anxiety. It's, it's time that we stop. And we base stopping our worrying, or we base stopping our anxiety on the sovereign care of a loving and omnipotent God. And so while many worldly professions, they offer therapeutic and chemical suggestions for managing your worry, and I'm not here necessarily to speak against that so much because I am not a doctor, but what Jesus is doing here, Jesus is actually commanding us to stop altogether. How many of you remember the phrase, what would Jesus do in the 90s? Did I see Adriana there? Adriana, welcome home. Also have the Kumars here with us. I'll say more about that at 11. Excited about that. But welcome home. Thank you. Glad that you're home safely. We've, of course, have been praying for you. But uh, what would Jesus do? How do you remember that, right? You remember, remember that phrase? You know, WWJD. Uh, and uh, it seemed to be plastered all over things. You know, jewelry, shirts, 
you know, all different types of stuff, hats. And uh, that slogan was a somewhat of a, certainly a shallow reminder to live up to Christ's moral code. But Christianity, as we learn on a weekly basis here, is not about a mere morality. It is about the atoning work of Christ on your behalf and mine. And so with that in mind, I think you and I, we can ask better questions. We can ask more more sanctifying questions than just what would Jesus do because you and I, we rest in His atonement. We rest in what He did. And so I think you and I can ask the question, what did Jesus do? What did He do for us? What did He uh, live every moment of every uh, moment of His life substitutionary for you and for me? What, what, what did He do uh, for us? What did He say? And so your ability and my ability to defeat sin comes not from so much imagining Christ in our circumstances, but instead obeying His clear commands and following His example of His life in Scripture. So knowing what Jesus said about sin is what is going to help you to actually overcome that sin. So we've been discussing over the, over the last several weeks kind of our natural bent towards things that we worry about. What are some things that we worry about? Let's just remind ourselves. Anybody? Come on, some things that we worry about. Going once, going twice, going first. Drew. Job security. Someone wants to weed whack right now while we're teaching, but that's okay. What was it? Money. Another one. Shelter. What else do we worry about? Future. Will said future. What else? Children. What people think of us. James, I see that hand. Oh. He was worried that I'd call on him. No, I'm, I honestly, I, did, I promise you, I didn't try to make a point of you. I did see your hand. Please forgive me. I didn't mean to embarrass you with that. All right, anything else? What else do we worry about? Being embarrassed, right? I'm probably turning red right now. Kristen? Getting things done. Vince? Health? Our country? Acceptance? It's a big one, right? Caroline? What we're going to eat? How many of you have like a little bit of a barbecue plan tomorrow? Can I, be, can I come? I'm just, I love food and good stuff. For sure. So we've been, we've been discussing those things. The last several weeks we've talked about some of the health ramifications of what happens when you are anxious. And we, uh, we, 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 we looked in on just kind of like medical answers to those things. But I want us to begin, and we kind of have already done so, but begin to kind of look at what God's Word says about how you and I can control and conquer what you and I are naturally bent towards. I want you to notice what Jesus commands His followers. Look at verse 25. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Now, I want to just, I just want to share something with you really quick. I do not believe that you need to understand the Greek and things like that for you to understand texts. Often you don't even hear me say anything uh, like that, even though I will often look into it. But, but I want to just, I just want to point something out here because it is super neat what Jesus is actually kind of saying in the text here. And so the tense of 
verse number 25, when, when you understand uh, the tense of these, uh, of these verbs, here's what it means. Stop worrying. Say, man, I'm so glad I came to church today. That's literally what he's saying. He's saying, stop worrying. Now look at verse 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? It almost sounds, it sounds similar, doesn't it? It's like, you know, Jesus, did you just kind of just repeat yourself? It sounds very similar. And so the tense in verse 31 is different. And here's what it means. Don't start worrying. So it's amazing what Jesus, Jesus brackets his, kind of, if you'll allow me to say this, his dissertation on the care of God, his loving compassion and his kindness to take care of animals and to take care of the, you know, the lilies and the grass and all these different types of things. He brackets this kind of dissertation to help you and me, really the command to, to, to stop worrying with the idea of stop worrying and don't start worrying. So he's saying, if you're worrying, if, if you're in here this morning and you're worrying about something, here's what Jesus would say to you, quit. He would say, quit. And then he would say, if you've not started worrying, if you've come in here and you know, you're good to go right now, he'd say, hey, don't start. Don't start. If you are, stop. And if you are prone to maybe later to, to, to begin to worry, to begin to be anxious, he's saying, do not start even to worry. And the word here for life in this text, it has to do with the fullness of earthly, physical, and external life. I'm not talking about like your breath of life. That's, that's something entirely different. So when, when Jesus is saying here, take no thought or don't be anxious over your life, what he's talking about is he's talking about the earthly. He's talking about the physical. He's talking about things that are external to the actual life of who you are. And so what he's saying is do not be anxious about this temporal world. Food, clothing, shelter, the things that are associated with. And so notice what Jesus said previously to this. Look at verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I'm not going to so much take the time to, to reteach on this because we've done it in the past. Remember, the word treasure that Jesus uses here, it, it's a beautiful word. Oftentimes when you and I think of treasure, what do we think of? In today's vernacular, what would we think of? gold, but like none of us are carrying around gold, okay? So what would you and I say in like today's vernacular? What would oftentimes do we think of treasure? Money. And that's often what we think. We think, hey, hey, wherever my money is, that will my heart will be also. And you've heard it taught like that, and I'm not here to teach to tear down what you've heard. I'm not trying to say that. I'm trying to say that there's, there's actually a much higher meaning of what Christ is teaching here. Absolutely it's your money, 100%. But what Jesus is teaching, he says, the things that you treasure, the things that you, the things that you long for, the things that, as I asked you a couple weeks ago, that occupy your mind. For sure, 100%, absolutely. The things that you 
What, if you had a big old fat treasure at home, what would you be doing with it? You'd be, you'd be protecting that, right? You'd be, you know, you'd protect those things, right? So the things, that, the things that we guard. And so Jesus, he's got such a higher purpose there. What he's basically saying is, is what, can I just put it this way? What fuels your life ought to be heaven-minded. Ought to be the kingdom of God rather than so much the kingdom here on this earth. And so focusing on earthly treasures produces earthly affections. Remember last week we went to Colossians chapter, I think three, might have been two. Don't quote, don't hold me on it, where it says set your affections on things above, right? That's what Paul said. Set your affections, set your desires, set your, the focus, set the, you know. And so how can you go to work tomorrow in a quote-unquote secular job frame and be kingdom-minded? Well, you absolutely can be. Because you can go to work tomorrow and you can be like, everything that I do, everything that I say, I want to do for the glory and honor of God. I want to be on time. I want to be, you know, I want to I be a hard worker. I want to be an honest worker. And so listen, you and I, we're, we're meant to provide for our families. If we don't, then we're worse than an infidel, right? We talked about that even in the series. And so Jesus is saying here, hey, I want you to, where, where, where your treasure is, where your longings are, where your mental capacity is, that is where your heart also is. And so that's why God promises to provide for your needs. Because he is saying, hey, if you will be, if you'll be earthly minded, if you'll be kingdom of God oriented in everything that I have, all of that, how can I glorify God with this? Then what he does is he, of course, he takes care of our needs. And so you and I, we should have a single master. And that master ought to be God, not money. Our single master ought to be God. Our single vision ought to be God's purposes. And our single goal ought to be treasure in heaven. Let me say that again. Our single master ought to be God. Our single vision ought to be his purposes for my life. So are you going to live his purposes for your life today and tomorrow and this week? You absolutely can in all of the secular ways that God calls you to live. So don't think in any way that well, what I'm saying is, is that there's only one way that, that you can you know, glorify God as if you are you know, at that moment you know, like serving him the way that we quote-unquote often um, define serving. And so our single master is God not money. Our single vision ought to always be God's purpose. And guess what? When you is God's purpose, then your goal will be treasure in heaven. And everything that you do is treasure in heaven. When you help anybody and you're doing it for the glory of God, it's treasure in heaven. It's not just when you put money in the offering plate. By the way, put money in the offering plate. Okay? Right, Kristen? All right. Financial secretary is such a blessing. But it's so much bigger than that. Can I just get on a soapbox real quick? Some people like to put money in the offering plate and then not glorify God in any of the other areas of their life. And they want to be like, Whew. right? And I don't know if you do that because I don't know who gives. Praise God for that. we got a team that knows that. I, I choose not to. But listen, there's sometimes we've got to be careful that we don't become pharisaical in this. We doing okay? We're all right? Look at verse number 19. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. This is, of course, all prefacing the area on, the, the words on worry. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. 
But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. What does he use in verse 19? He uses the word treasures. What does he say in verse number 20? He uses the word treasures. So is Jesus saying you're not to have a house? No. Is Jesus saying you're not supposed to have a car? No. Is he saying you're not supposed to have nice clothes? No. He's not saying any of those things. But he's saying, make sure that that's not where your treasure is lying, where your passions are lying. Here's why. Because there's nothing wrong with having a house. Amen? There's nothing wrong with having a house. Hey, there's nothing wrong with having a nice car. We can wash it every once in a while. Ryan, mine's dirty. I need to wash it. I was supposed to do that yesterday, Travis. I told you I was going to, and I didn't. I'm sorry. But listen, so you and I, we're not to put our treasure in that. We're not to put our all of our, 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 our focus, and it wraps our minds around these types of things. Instead, we are to, verse number 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So if our hearts are in heavenly-minded things, gospel-oriented things, how can I use this home for the glory of God? How can I use my car for the glory of God? How can I use my clothing for the glory of God? How can I use whatever it is that is in this text, how I eat for the glory of God? All of those things, if we're doing it for the glory of God, cha-ching, 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 cha-ching in heaven. And it's awesome. It's beautiful when we do it for the glory of God. Verse number 22, the light of the body is the eye. If If therefore thine eye be single... The whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light is in thee, be darkness. How great is that darkness? And Jesus, he's he's referring here to treasures. And he's talking about, again, it's kind of alluding to the focus. What is your eye set on? What is your mental capacity set on? What are the things that you are guarding and holding and valuing in your life? Verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for he he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Here's Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, your heart's passion can't be for the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this earth. That's ultimately what he's saying. He's saying, you can't serve God. Now listen, this is moment by moment, right? Because we can have some good days and we can have some bad days. We can have some good weeks, good months. And so you could be sitting here right now. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm pretty, I'm pretty kingdom-minded right now. You actually are. You came to church. Praise God for that. And again, if someone's not here, don't make the conclusion that they're not. Okay? Don't go that far. But you are here. So let me praise you. Praise God for that. But so listen, when you and I, when, 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 when we're evaluating our lives, you and I need to come to the conclusion Is my treasure in heaven, meaning am I seeking those things which are above, or am I focused only down here on this earth? Because then look at verse number 25. Therefore. And then he goes into his dissertation about worrying and anxiety and all that kind of stuff. I am no expert. I am trying to learn myself because these are things that I've been open and honest with many of you. If you were even in our, in our home group, like this is, this study's really for me. And so when you, when you're earthly minded, you're going to be a worry wart. You like that? None of us like warts, right? You're going to be a worry wart. We're going to be anxious. 
panic attack driven type of people. And so Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to I want you to take your eyes on heaven. Think kingdom minded. Man, enjoy your home. Enjoy your car. That's not what Jesus is not teaching. There's wrong with that. But if that's where our hope, if that's where our function of our life comes from. then listen, we are going to be filled with anxiety. We must not let ourselves become preoccupied with the mundane things of this world. Now, perhaps in our modern society, such a warning like Jesus gives us here in Matthew 6, it's kind of a bit obscure. And the reason why is because there's not like a corner, almost every single corner in our neighborhoods, unless it's like homes. It's like, but kind of like, there's like, there's markets almost everywhere. You know, if I ever really, really, really needed anything, I literally can go right down the street and there's a market there that has everything. A little overpriced, but nonetheless, it has everything, right? Anything that I would need. And so sometimes this, this, this teaching that Christ is giving here, it's a little, it's a little obscure. We probably have more water in our homes than we even know what to do with right now. Cases of bottled water or lacroix, is that how you say it? Oh, how do you say it? Come on, help me. La Croix. La Croix. Sorry, that's just how I've always said it, but it's La Croix. And uh, I got tons of those in my house, right? Sarah turned me on to those. I don't know. I almost brought cronuts for you all today. Would you, would, would you have liked for me to do that? I talked about that last week. And, uh, but good, good stuff. But it's kind of hard for us to understand. It's hard for us to grasp it. Usually it takes some kind of a disaster. Right? We need to pray for those in Florida where this hurricane is just reeking down upon or just coming down upon them right now. We'll pray it turns up uh, up the coast. But oftentimes it takes a massive fire, right, in California for us to be aware of oh, we've got needs and things like that. Uh, earthquakes, things like that. But our basic necessities are more than abundant. And yet they're never guaranteed. And yet it takes sometimes some of those things to, to kind of get us to come out of our uh, routine. So the life in the world of the New Testament was very, very different. And it wasn't so simple as your life and mine. There were times when the snow didn't come. And so when the snow didn't come, there wouldn't be any rushing rivers coming down the mountains and there wouldn't be any streams. And if there was a plague of locusts, a locust, what they would do is they would come and they would literally kill all the crops. And if there's no crops being, um, you know, to give out. Of course, there's famine. If there's famine, there's no income. If there's no income, there's no way to purchase food and clothing and necessities and so on. And so Jesus is saying not to worry about such things, food, clothing, housing, these types of things. It's especially powerful in the context of his day. May I step on your toes right now? Very powerful in his context for him to say, hey, I don't want you to worry about these things when it was like a real possibility for many of them. What an indictment on me. But I'll worry about some of these same things. And Christ is saying, hey, no. No need to. No need to. And so then Jesus asked this rhetorical question in verse 25. 
is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Of course it is, right? But you wouldn't necessarily know it by judging what is displayed today by what people seem to be pursuing. Now again, let me, let me share this list, and there's nothing in and of this list that is wrong. Many people in our society, they're totally consumed with the body. They decorate it. They build it up. They extravagantly clothe it. They put it in a nice car. They sleep it in a nice house. They stuff it full of food. They sit in a comfortable chair. They hang a bunch of jewelry all over it. They take it out on a boat. They let it swim. They teach it to ski. They take it on a cruise and so on and so forth. But life is not contained in those things. Those are all awesome, aren't they? I hope we get to do all those. There's nothing wrong with that. But where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. And so what Jesus is teaching, he's saying, hey, listen, if your treasure is earthly, you will spend your days worrying. That's what Jesus is teaching here in the Sermon on the Mount. And he's saying, you don't, you don't, you don't actually need to. Because if God will take care of the lilies out there, if God will take care of the little birds. On Wednesday night, we looked at a couple places in uh, Job and where literally the raven's children, like the little, the little chicks, those cry out to God and God feeds them. I mean, they have no way whatsoever of getting any kind of food for themselves. And yet God will use the parent to get something and you know, bring, it to, uh, bring it to the chicks. And so life... Hear me, life comes from God, and the fullness of life comes from Christ. And if you and I will rest in that, if you and I will seek to find our, our fulfillment in who Christ is and what he has provided for us in our relationship with him and in the gospel, you and I will find ourselves glorifying God, seeking the kingdom of God, and you will hold lesser of a tight grip on this stuff down here. Because when we're holding stuff like this, can God rip those things out of your hands, yes or no? Can he? Yeah, he can. God, he can do whatever. We need to pray for those people in Florida. Someone could lose their homes to the hurricane. So God is, God is powerful. God is all sovereign. But, 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 when, but when we hold on to like this and it's, it gets ripped away from us through circumstances of life, then what happens is, is then we become bitter. We begin to worry. We begin to question God. Do you care? And so the next several weeks, we're going to continue to look at the compelling evidence and the reasons why Jesus says, hey, if you're worrying, stop. And then he says, if you're not worrying, but you're prone to, don't. That's with brackets, this text. Don't worry, or stop worrying, and don't worry. Why? Because you have the sovereign care, amazing care of God to clothe everything out there in nature that you see. And he says, oh, aren't you more important than them? Christ died for us. We are created in his image. And yet, God takes care of the animals and all those different types of things. And so, can I, can I encourage you? I never even gave you the title for today. I'm sorry. God's amazing care. God's amazing care. We'll continue uh, through this uh, journey of warring with worry 
uh, in the weeks to come. And so let's have a word of prayer. Father, Lord, I thank you for, Lord, this text.